Welcome to our podcast, Theatre Tales of the Techie, with our host, Damon Atwood. Welcome, folks. So tonight's a really exciting night because we're back doing five questions. And if you're new new to my podcast, I'm really excited you're here. And if you're returning, that means you must be liking something I'm doing. And the uh, biggest reason I'm doing this is if you're a young person in high school or college and your teachers and professors haven't told you about all the other things you can do in the theater industry, that's the reason I created this podcast. Tonight, we have Brian Moon. Uh, he's got a company called Moonovations, and he is the guest to do five questions. But as you all know, if you're returning, I always have uh, the guests do a little bit of a bio about themselves to kind of give us a snapshot of who they are, you know, what they've done in the industry and what they're doing now. And then we'll get to the five questions. So welcome, Brian. Thank you very much, Damon, for having me on. I greatly appreciate it. Oh, no, this is going to be really exciting because, you know, I think the word nerd is a compliment, and I've always loved being <laughs> called a nerd. And uh, you are heavily into design and new product development and R&D. And, mm -hmm. you know, I do that in my aviation life a lot, and I've done it a little bit in the theater industry, but uh, not as much I would have loved to do. But, you know, our paths take us to where it goes. So, no, uh, Absolutely. Yeah, so Brian, why don't you give us a little bit of a bio about yourself? Uh, well, I guess I've been kind of in the theater industry. The theater bug bit me back when I was in uh, eighth grade, you know, doing the production of Romeo and Juliet. Uh, ended up becoming the stage manager. Talked with the director. Uh, she ended up being a pretty good friend for many years. Uh, she was like, if you want to do this professionally, here's where you got to go to school. Here's what you got to do for your rest of your career. Are you ready to embrace this? Then go forward and be free. So... I ended up going to college for uh, lighting design and technology down North Carolina School of the Arts. And then went on the road uh, for the next couple of years, uh, touring with shows like Sesame Street Live, the Producers National Tour, uh, who else? Joyce Meyer Ministries, uh, did a little bit of work with Hootie uh, and the Blowfish, um, Cat Williams, the comedian, uh, you know, as a random like you know lighting programmer, working on moving lights, maintaining the rig, production electrician, all that type of stuff. Um, then I, eventually, I ended up getting off the road, uh, getting uh, my ETC field certification, and uh, became an ETC field tech uh, for uh, a rep agency uh, up in the DC area. Did that for a couple of years and moved on to product management, or excuse me, project management. Uh, and system uh, design and layout. And I think that's actually where you and I met um, yep, is when I was, was. working for uh, Act 3, yep. uh, when you were still with uh, Desmar, I believe. Yep. And uh, and then kind of blossomed from there. I had some ideas of my own. It was like, you know what? Take it to a couple different manufacturers. Some of them were like, eh, we really don't see this uh, really, you know, uh, happening. So I went ahead and took it upon myself and uh, started a small company called RLED. Um, and designed a house fit, uh, uh, excuse me, an LED retrofit that was able to dim very, very well um, on your existing dimming systems, kind of mimicking that of uh, incandescent. And uh, ended up getting a couple patents on that. Uh, ended up leaving the rep job, moving into manufacturing full time. Then we merged our LED with Canto uh, USA, which was a distributor at that point for uh, follow spots from Italy. 
Um, then we kind of, you know, combined forces in terms of efforts go, ended up designing a few LED follow spots along the way, some more uh, LED retrofits, uh, got some more patents on that type of stuff. And then the most recent one uh, before I left uh, Canto USA and started Motivations was the uh, the Aurora X1 LED follow spot, which um, I hear is is doing uh, pretty well these days. And uh, is, you know, when, when I was there last, we were, you know, starting to talk with Broadway um, and a couple other uh, big name lighting designers uh, that were talking about using that light for their show. So that was for someone who always wanted to be able to attribute or, you know, uh, give back to, you know, Broadway in some form or fashion, uh, but never actually did, you know, got a Broadway credit. This kind of, you know, fulfilled that dream of mine. So I was very excited uh, that that was starting to go in that pace when I uh, left the company last fall. And then I went ahead and started Motivations, uh, which is just strictly to be dealing with uh, product development and design uh, for other lighting manufacturers. Um, so we're working on some really cool projects right now. Um, most of them are under NDA, so I can't talk about it, which is, of <laughs> course, the the ultimate round robin of you know starting a, a research and development company is how do you tell people what you've done without violating other people's you know confidentiality? So it's it's a fine balance. Ultimately, it's a it's a lot of uh, hope and blind trust uh, in some ways. Well, you know, a couple of things. NDAs are kind of uh, funny because I actually have an NDA in place with a company I help uh, do something, and I called them about a year ago and say, "Look, is this still in force?" And they said, "You bet your ass." And I was like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> so it, it was really it was really surprising to me that even though. I think most of the world know that I contributed to that. They still want to keep it technically top secret. So oh, yeah. uh, another thing I want folks listening to, especially any young people, uh, Brian worked really well on tackling a problem. And I remember when you came out with the, basically a replacement for like an Edison bulb that dimmed mm -hmm. seamlessly. That was an LED that would go into the existing dimming systems that had mm -hmm. like lobby lights or the accent lights in the theater. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I, there's a little bit part of me that was like jealous of you and people like you that tackle some of these most common things that the industry needs, but you make it dim so close to incandescent because, you know, all the years I was a lighting designer, what I hated the most uh, originally it was with fluorescence, you know, that would dim to 10% mm -hmm. and then blink out. And that looked like garbage. Uh, but, yep. <laughs> then, but then the LEDs, some of the LEDs, you could actually see the last five or six steps of like the DMX curve right before they went out. And uh, so I always thought that was really cool that you, you you got to help develop stuff like that. That took a long time. I mean, at that point, that was what, 2011, 2012 is really when I kind of had that idea and started doing research. And there was no drivers on on the market. Uh, everything kind of topped off at 25 watts. COB LEDs were just kind of coming into play. So it was very much the wild, wild west um, and ended up working with a couple different engineers and, you know, testing everybody's product out there in the market. Nothing dimmed like how it needed to do. I mean, I had a full sensor rack in my garage at that point that I had, you know, got pulled out of a dumpster um, and had some friends of mine give me some spare, you know, CEM parts. And of course, you know, my uh, my trick, my trunk of tricks uh, from, uh, my, uh, my ATC tech days. So, you know, put together a dimmer rack and then just start going through dim curves going, nope, 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 nope. Uh, ended up getting looped up with a, a wonderful engineer, um, who, who had, you know, prior experience in the, the theater market. 
And uh, we really hit it off. And uh, he ended up coming up with a few iterations. And after some, you know, immense amounts of testing and trial and error, uh, we were able to pull that rabbit out of our hat and uh, made it happen. So it was, it, it, it's still one of those things that it's like, it's got to dim well. And that's where my OCD kind of comes into play in terms of dimming. It has to be smooth. <laughs> well, you know, what was interesting is I spent about two years with a company that was trying to create, um, and they, they successfully did it, but they just wanted to build kind of a high output house light. Mm -hmm. um, you know, seven to 12,000 lumens. And mm -hmm. when I first came into it, um, I knew from my radio control world a lot how, you know, MOSFETs work, drivers and all that stuff. And mm -hmm. when I explained to them how DMX worked, you know, that, you know, you've got, you know, 512 channels, but each channel has like 255 steps. And I said, it's those last 10 or 12 steps that we need to have some kind of an intelligent program in the system that it kind of sees uh how fast that the fade is changing then it divides that up into like ten thousand little micro steps or some stuff mm -hmm. and it took yeah. us two years it took two years to really get that thing to dim right and then i got bored and and i, I went to another place <laughs> in life but it, it well, was not in this industry that doesn't happen <laughs> well you know what's funny is you know i've had people say you know damon how many times you've been fired and i'm like never I, I just get bored and i move on and i said most theater people especially nerdy techs that you know mm -hmm. we're, we're lucky enough that we've really i don't i hate to use the word that we've mastered our trade because we're always learning but you can oh, yeah. get, you get to a point in the theater industry where what is exciting to one person to you you're like oh gosh the last thing i want to do is you know go on the uh road and pull you know uh cam lock around the stage while other right. people might think boy <laughs> that sounds fun <laughs> well i mean it, but you know and for some people it is and but you know for i think folks like you and i where we, we enjoy the challenge and the problem solving aspect of what this you know this industry you know allows us to do in a very in you know most cases a very creative platform is that ability to, you know, okay, great. Give me a problem. I'm going to put all my ADHD powers into it. Great. I figured out the solution. Okay. Give me another problem. It's like, oh, do you have to follow through and do the project management side? No, that's where you have project managers. Go let them deal with that. <laughs> well, you know, and, and you, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Um, actually, I've been listening to an audible book right now called The Field Guide to Understanding Human Error. And mm -hmm. it's funny how many times somebody will look at, let's say, a, a plane crash or, or a train wreck or something and go, oh, yeah, we could have prevented that. Well, the reason we say that is because we've already seen what went wrong. You know, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of designers, a lot of creative people will look at something and say, well, of course, we couldn't have figured out what went wrong. Because if, if you know, there's smarter people than us that would have figured out how to keep that go wrong. It was just it was a series of errors that caused it. So, yeah. you know, I, I always think it's crazy, Brian, that the way human behavior works. And sometimes in our industry, we can tell the greatest ideas to people and they'll just look at us and like, yeah, I don't get it. And until mm -hmm. we build it and show them mm -hmm. and show them oh, how much, you know, and show them how much money it might make them. Um, that, that was the X. That was the X one for me. Yeah, honestly, I, I I was like, look, I can we can do LED and you know and match xenon and everyone's like no 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 can't we gotta do xenon gotta do xenon and i i, I kind of you know was like all right that's great here let's order this and this and let, let me just put together something out of lumber and see if this works and and it did and it was like oh well that was kind of a gamble but 
okay, it worked. All right, great. Let's go make a product around it. Yeah, so, I still I mean, have a closet. Just taking I actually, those risks. I've got a closet <laughs> in my basement full of mock-ups that I've done just to try to show people, even if it's only a quarter size or an eighth scale, you know, to yeah. say, you know, this is what we're trying to do. And proof uh, of concept. Ab absolutely. And and unfortunately, you know, I, I've had a couple of investment banker type people reach out and go, oh, no, we'll fund you. And I'm like, no, it's more than that. I've got to have the team and it's got to be the theater team. And a lot of those people mm -hmm. are already taken up, you know. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. you know, but if I ever win the lottery, you know, I, I know who's going to be in that list to call. And it's definitely you. Um, All right. Let's go make some cool stuff. Well, you know, and that's that's a reason I'll probably win the lottery like three weeks before I die at 90. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'll just be like, well, you know, I missed that chance. So I got to figure out how to do it now. If I win the lottery, I am taking one week off. Yeah. Well, well, you know, my wife has actually said to me, you know, why do you have all these grand plans if you win the lottery to do? And I'm like, because I love what I do. I, if you think I'm going to sit mm -hmm. around and, you know, if, if, if I had the kind of funding and that kind of capital that I could put 20 or 30 of my best friends in this industry into something better than all of us could have ever been separately, why not do that? Oh, yeah. You know, oh, absolutely. Oh, well, why sit around and collect dust as a human being? Also, it's like you know, contribute to society, contribute to an industry that we all love. I mean, I I know you started off in this very early on in high school. You know, as, as did I. Yeah, and and a lot of people that you've talked to, you know, all started generally early, and everyone does this because they love it. It's fun. It's exciting. It's meet new people, and there's new challenges every day. And there Whether is be a, with people or tech. <laughs> and there is a massive amount of people with big, thick, juicy brains. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just love how much brain power there is in our industry. I still think if there was ever a game show where there's like eight groups of people on an island and they've got a year <laughs> to build something to get off the island, at the end of the year, they release all these wild animals that are going to eat everybody. I think mm -hmm. the theater people would be the first people off that island. <laughs> I really do. Uh, well, do you remember uh, you remember the show Monster Garage with uh, Jesse James oh, yeah, back yeah, in the day? Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. There, there, there was one episode where they ended up doing. Uh, I think it was the DeLorean episode. No, no, it was someone, someone else. Uh, another episode where they actually had a tech uh, theater guy um, that was working at Yale at the time or Berkeley, and they brought him on as one of the builders. And I remember him, you know, like doing way more mathematics than like one of the other engineers on the team. And it's like, this guy's got a theater degree, and yet he is out engineering the engineers. Like, that's that, that's something to be said. It, 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 we're all MacGyvers, you know? I mean, we, oh, really, yeah. we really are. So, okay, let's jump through these five questions, because you and I can mm -hmm. talk hours about this stuff. I mean, oh, yeah. And, I was, I, and, and I'm not even drinking. I'm just having coffee right now. Yeah. Oh, I, I was looking so forward to this, Brian, just because I, you know, unfortunately, our paths hardly ever cross. But it's probably because we're so busy. But uh, but no, I've always wanted to get you on my uh, podcast. So, OK, there's five questions in if you're a young person listening to this and you're mm -hmm. going to university and your professor's telling you, yep, there's lighting design, there's scenic design, there's stage management. They probably are forgetting about uh, the theater consultant path, the integrator path, the NPD path, you know, working for manufacturers, working for dealers. They probably aren't telling you this. So that's the reason I came up with this podcast, and that's the reason I've got these five questions so we can kind of find out what really uh, drove Brian to where he is today. So the yeah, first, absolutely. So the first question is, what actually got you in theater? Uh, 
my, my love for entertaining people, honestly. Um, I, it started off as a very young age of uh, actually like my fourth grade talent show. I, I believe I ended up doing a stand up act and I was doing all these different impersonations with a, you know, like a little, you know, three minute bit. Uh, that I wrote and I practiced in front of my parents doing like Arnold Schwarzenegger talking with Steve Urkel. And, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to remember who else he was talking about. I was like, no, get down. what are you doing? I can still do that voice. I, I remember the other voices. Um, and, 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 and hey, Brian, just so everybody listening know, Brian loves to do as a, I don't know, do you call it another hobby, your stand-up stuff and everything? I, I still write, but I mean, I haven't actually done anything on a stage in the better part of a decade. Okay, okay, cool. Uh, get, getting married, starting a company, and uh, having a, a kid kind of, you know, limits your uh, your after-hours activities. Yeah, no, I totally <laughs> but get in it. in a good way, in a good way. <laughs> I get it. So, essentially, it was your passion to to entertain people that got you started in theater. Yeah, my uh, my father uh, was a magician, and he kind of taught me some magic when I was a kid. Uh, and his great grand or his grandfather ended up teaching him, and ended up running away at the age of sixteen to join the circus and became a magician. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, uh, we ended up finding one of his old posters that was actually in Swedish, and it was like you know Professor Anderson, which is funny because it's that's one of the characters out of the movie The Prestige, um, their stage name, which we always you know kind of giggled about. Because uh, it was relatively around the same uh, time historically, but you know, then kind of you know, just liked. I wanted to entertain people, but I didn't necessarily want to be the one entertaining them. You know, as right. you get older and you get stage fright, and you're like, ah, I can't really find my voice, and I don't want to, you know, say somebody else's words. And then you discover lighting, and lighting does all these wonderful things where it can bring everything together. It can bring in, you know, great acting and great sound and great scenery and great costumes and great stage work. And it it, it can really make the show complete and, and you know, in helping pull focus and just all the magic uh, uh, that kind of goes along with that all as well was uh, was very enticing, uh, even at a young age. And I knew I wanted to major in lighting freshman year of high school. Um, how many people can honestly say that and actually stick with it? Oh, I know. I, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I totally get what you're saying. Totally. Okay. Question number two, what kept you mm-hmm. in the theater industry? Uh, what kept me in the theater industry? Um, a fear of not wanting to do an office job and working a straight up nine to five. Uh, I know it's, a, a good answer, but honestly, uh, it's the love and the passion and, and the people that you meet and the experiences you get to have. Uh, that That's really what's what's kept me in it is, is the connections uh, that I've made. I, I love going to the trade shows. And I know a lot of people don't anymore, but it's like I get to see my friends. Um, and most of my friends are not actually here in town. You know, I, I do have friends here in town, of course, but I mean, all my friends are like all over the country in some parts of the world. And, and that's exciting that we all get to come together once or twice a year, you know, have some beers, you know, tell stories, tell old stories, new stories. And, you know, it's just, it's that general camaraderie that's, you know, a, a lot of places don't necessarily have. Well, and I'm, I'm sure you've heard me say this before, but, you know, I always refer to uh, uh, theater, uh, the whole technical side of theater, musicians and artists were all from that island of misfits that the outside oh, yeah. the outside world doesn't necessarily get our passion or understand it 
but mm -hmm. once once you've been a part of something bigger than yourself and like you said all the people you meet you know when i when i think about my aviation life i've got a small tight little group of friends but it's nothing mm -hmm. like the theater industry you know that i've spent over 40 years in and when i think of the trade shows you know, I had a boss one time that says, who was that? And I said, oh, that's a guy I've known for 20 years, my best friend. He goes, who's he work for? And I said, the competition. And he's <laughs> like, and you guys like each other? And I'm like, yeah. He said, you know, we all get along. And and he could not comprehend that. He he was kind of like, I i don't know this industry. I don't get it. But yeah, I mean, uh, it's weird. I mean, we there's only about three. There's only 300 of us total in the entire industry. We're all just, you know, hopping from one company to another. So you can't really hate your competition because that may be your next paycheck. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I sat at an LDI trade show a couple of years ago in Vegas. Um, <laughs> I got to be careful I say this, but there is about 12 <laughs> of us. And somebody said, you know, how many people in this industry do you think there really are that get what we get? And one person said 200, another one said 300. And then another person said, yeah, but how many of us really truly know how to communicate the entire bandwidth of the industry? And one of the guys said, oh, maybe 40 of us. <laughs> and I thought that was so telling because, you know, you think about how big the entertainment industry is and you think mm -hmm. about everybody from the riggers to the arena riggers to the lighting designers to the master electricians. When you start thinking about the bandwidth of all these people, we could uh -huh. all be put in the same room together and still talk the exact same language. Oh yeah. No. And, and that's, and that's all we do too. It's like you put a bunch of theater people in the room and all we do is talk shop all day long. I mean, I know it drives my wife nuts whenever I have theater people over uh, to the house because she, she's not from the industry. Yeah. Um, and, and when we start telling road stories, I mean, she's lucky to get a word in edgewise. It's just, you know, all night long and, you know, throwing a couple of bottles of wine in there and, yeah, she's, she's, you know, we're all done. <laughs> you know, it's, it's probably been 25 or 30 years ago, but, uh, or longer than that. Gosh, um, heck this might've been 35 years ago. I went to a cast party, uh, after a musical and I had this girlfriend, really neat gal, really sharp, uh, still actually friends on Facebook today, believe it or not. But mm. at, at that night, I was driving her home. <laughs> Not if your wife finds out. No. Uh, oh, I, you know, we're all friends. But what was funny is, I'm when, 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 oh, no, I get it, dude. Um, <laughs> when I'm driving home, she goes, you know, I'm really, con and she was not part of the industry at all. She just went to the cast party to kind of be my girlfriend and just be a part of it. And we're driving yeah. home and she's like, what's a 2 PNG? And I'm like, who brought that up? <laughs> Somewhere in the conversation, somebody said two PNG, and she is like, "What is a two PNG?" And I'm like, "It's it's a plug." It, but yeah. I, I don't even remember anybody ever mentioning that. I, I was amazed she remembered the word. Uh, but uh, no, it's it's crazy. Um, yeah, it's crazy, Brian. So number three, what's the coolest mm -hmm. thing you've ever done in the theater? And this has been a challenge for a lot of my guests. To but I try to pick one thing that you really think was the coolest thing you ever did being in this industry? Well, as much, I mean, you know, besides that's the, the cool stuff I've had a chance to design and the shows I've uh, designed and, and things of that nature, the, the coolest experience I can probably think of is like when all of my training uh, had kind of come to a, a culmination in Ogdensburg, New York on, on the uh, tour with the producers uh, at that point. 
And this is, you know, anyone that's listening that's actually played this theater knows exactly what I'm talking about. It's essentially a high school. It's a high school with, you know, uh, dead hung battens, you know, total height out was like, I think, 12 feet to the bottom of the pipe to the floor. Uh, you know, hang cranks for bringing in the electrics. Yeah, I mean, no structural steel really whatsoever. So it's like, okay, we're not hanging trusts, we're not hanging towers. Uh, take the two front of house moving lights, put them out front of house. Do the six scrollers there. What do you guys have for house light? You know, for for house fixtures. Uh, you know, and you look at the meat racks on the backstage. You're like, okay, you just grab. You know, you grab your notepad. I sketched out a, a, a plot right then and there real quickly. You know, I haven't seen the show 200 plus times at this point. It was like, okay, here's this, here's this. Okay, put drop in these colors and go. And they had a 4896 uh, Express up in the booth. And I went ahead and programmed Submasters and ran the entire show live. And it was just a one-nighter that we were doing in this place. But, you know, we had the Hog 2 set up and it was running the, the front of house movers, you know, that were doing the drop lighting. Um, and the toners for the uh, scrollers. And I was running all the incandescents, you know, very old school when there actually used to be multiple consoles, you know, to run a, a large show like that. And, and to me, that was fun. You know, I got to just, you know, not sit there and hit a button. I was actually, you know, fully engaged with the show, running a rock and roll style. And it yeah. looked really good. And I got some uh, compliments afterwards uh, from the cast going, dude, I, I didn't see the, some of the, the normal moving lights up there. It's like, what'd you do? It's like, it was just, we, we kind of shot from the hip today. It's like, oh, it, it looked good. It, it felt right. That, that was good. That's good. It's like, yeah, I hope we never have to do this again because it was a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, actually, I had a guy joke one time about his worst show was his best show. He goes, it was like when I got, uh, he busted two front teeth out walking into a batten. And he had, oh. to get, he had to get, he had to get, he had to get, he had to get implants in, but the implants looked better than his original teeth. So he said it was worth it. And he always makes that joke when he talks about, yeah, the worst show I ever had was, you know, it, it was a terrible show. It went great. At the end of it, I walked into a bat and knocked out my two teeth. And it's, it's funny because if, if anytime you liquor him up a little bit at a trade show and it's like, Hey, what's the worst show? And it's always the same story. The show where he knocked out his two teeth. <laughs> So all now, I want for Christmas is my two yeah, front teeth. Yeah. Exactly. So the next question is, what's the worst thing? Uh, and, and I should have rephrased this. So when I say, what's the worst thing you've done in theater? I don't mean that, you know, you lost your mind and pushed somebody in the pit. Uh, I mean, what, what Who was told? Worst? Was that Bill Price? No, <laughs> yeah, no, no it, it could have been Tobin. Um, and I, oh. <laughs> well, no, I, I've got it. I've got to say, see, Bill and Tobin were some of my first really cool close friends when I started working for manufacturers. So I always, mm -hmm. anytime I think of Bill Price, I think of Tobin, but no, Tobin and I, Oh God, we go way back, way, way back. So great, great people. Oh no, they're my best friends, man. Um, so, uh, but what was your worst experience in theater? Oh, uh, worst experience. I mean, you know, I, I, having listened to some of the uh, the past uh, people talking about some of their worst experiences, I was kind of reflecting on this because, um, I mean, uh, worst worst experience while on the on tour was probably uh, uh, we were in Spokane, Washington, and I, this is again on the producers. You know, I was with the show for almost two years, um, and uh, I. I got a little happy with the haze at nights on the first night, still learning the room in terms of airflow goes, uh, cause I was running it on an inhibitive submaster. 
And lo and behold, uh, I set off the smoke alarms in the middle of I want to be a, a producer, oh uh, which my. means that the house had to start evacuating. The, you know, someone had to come shut off the alarm and pop out all the smoke. Everyone's, you know, from the cast is kind of looking at me. I'm like, oh, crap. Um, I, sorry, I was learning it. It's OK. We need to run the haze now, not 50 at 20. Uh, got it. Um, that, that was a little bit of an embarrassing moment. Uh, not horrible. I didn't get fired as a result of it. And, you know, we all, we all make mistakes and, and, you know, that type of stuff, but I mean, doing stupid stuff, probably, you know, one of my first jobs was, uh, having to do the front of house focus on a genie and Marina show and you're 35 feet up and they take out your, your outriggers in order to get into certain parts while you're at the top of this outrigger on top of the railing focusing these pars and it's like ah uh, i don't like heights i don't like this this is not fun for me uh <laughs> that type of stuff and then to come to find out they actually ended up uh bypassing the wiring on the genie lift so it could operate up and down without the uh uh stuff i'm like i don't know if i want to well if you don't do it so we'll have to find somebody else that will i'm like mm. so you go in the back you have another sip of coffee you chain smoke like three cigarettes at that point and then you go right back into the lift it's like all right let's do it and you know <laughs> you, you master that fear but at the same time you're like i feel ugly. you, you know 40 years ago when i was first putting in rigging nobody wore harnesses you know nobody we just got the job done and I'm not saying yeah. that uh, today would go any faster without harnesses. I mean, safety first, but it was just, mm -hmm. it, it just wasn't part of our standing operating procedure uh, safety <laughs> back 40 years ago. So, oh, yeah. you know, I, I think about some of the times I've been on genie lifts that we had hot wired and, <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, that's, I mean, I walked into a house once, uh, well, I walked into a, a, a basically backstage and there is these weird switches that somebody drilled a hole. They were just Deadman switches that were on the side of a genie. And I'm like, what are these switches for? And they said, oh, that kills the, you know, sensors for the outriggers. So if we got to go, you know, this is like a 40 foot genie lift. And I'm like, are you kidding? Mm -hmm. They said, oh, once you're up in the fly, if it falls over, you know, the battens are going to catch you. And I'm like, well, what if you yeah. fall stage left or right? <laughs> well, you know, then you just better hang on. And I'm just like, holy crap. And, and um, I've had friends that have gone down in genie lifts and, and, you know, they were able to tuck and roll because they weren't actually clipped in at that point. They're yeah. like, I'm not clipping into a lift because if I go down, I need to be able to roll. Well, and, you know, I don't like to admit this. And I think I've talked about this before in a podcast, maybe not. But one time I was basically going through and checking all the circuits on a stage electric that was probably trimmed at 25 feet. We already had the scaffolding set up because we were finishing landing uh, all the circuits at the top of torm towers so mm -hmm. i basically had a regular scaffolding with four wheels on it and i was just hanging on and rolling myself around on stage okay so wherever i needed to go i just <laughs> roll myself on stage and uh, a guy walked up stage dragging a big ascension cord that i didn't know was down there and i was rolling across stage and i hit it and the entire scaffolding leaned probably i don't know 20 degrees and I grabbed everything above me and basically stuck my butt back into the crossbars and stopped mm -hmm. from going. But then it went the other way. Oh, and gosh. then I tried to catch it with my front of my legs and I caught it. And now it's standing up. But when I lowered myself down, the entire scaffolding was like 10 inches shorter. And I'm like, what the hell happened? I looked down and all four wheels fell off. I didn't have the pins <laughs> and the wheels. 
And when this thing leaned, the first two wheels fell out, then it tilted the other way, and the other two wheels fell out, and then it landed upright. And I remember everybody running on stage like, what was that noise? And I'm up there and I'm like, I just about crapped my pants. This thing just about fell over. But then one of my nerd friends was like, do you know the physics involved for that thing just to to tilt that way? And I said, no, dude, it was my legs. I was grabbing it with my legs. Um, But, you know, we've all... we need to have some like vintage t-shirts made up of like, you know, bring back 1980s uh, theater, AKA uh, natural selection. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's amazing that, you know, most of us aren't in wheelchairs. Um, so the last yeah. one, so the last thing is what advice would you give to a high school or college kid that's kind of on the fence? And, you know, I've had a couple of reach out to me and say, look, the whole world's against me. I want to do this, but what if I'm 25 and I have five roommates in a sucky apartment and I realize I made the wrong choice? What, what, what would you say? <laughs> what, what, well, you know, for me, if a kid really said that, I'd say, you know, you need to, you know, find there's like 50 or 80 paths in the industry. I think you probably only know about two or three of them. But, but what, yeah, what are you I, doing at your apartment? You should be on a bus somewhere. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. So what advice would you give to a high school kid or a college kid listening? Um, it's honestly, I mean, you know, the first advice I'm going to say is kind of a joke that I write to most high school and college graduates, which is, you know, um, uh, stay away from powders and pills. If it grows in the ground, it's probably okay. And, you know, don't be a fool, wrap your tool. Um, yeah. I write that in all, my, in all you know, uh, high school graduation cards. And honestly, like five years later, I'm like, do you still remember the advice? They're like, oh, yeah, absolutely, I do. I never forgot it. And it's like, and, and you're good for it. Um, but, you know, for, for the honest answer, you know, especially in this industry is just say yes and don't be afraid of new experiences. Um, I never thought I was going to be, you know, where I am today. Um, you know, 20 years ago when I was still in college, I, I thought I was going to be a road dog for you know, the, in, the entirety of my career. And then eventually maybe settle down and teach somewhere. Um, but, you know, life had a different path. I, I you know, you, you get burned out to a certain point and, you know, another opportunity presents itself. You say yes. You move on to that opportunity. Then something else different presents itself, you know, based on that skill set that you've acquired. You say yes. You move on to the next one. So, I mean, the, the best thing I can really say to anyone is just, you know, say yes, but, you know, go in with an open mind, you know, see, see what it has to offer, see what new skills you can learn and how you can attribute or, you know, apply everything that you've learned with your, you know, your traditional theater, tech theater degree and, and using it for something else, but still bringing that love and that passion along with you into that next role. Well, you know, it's funny, um, Elon Musk was in a interview one time and he said, the problem with kids nowadays is they don't know how to say yes and then go get on YouTube and figure out how to do it. And I thought that was one of the funniest (laughs) things I had heard in my life because I thought, wait a minute, don't steal that. That's, that's theater people. Um, No, it is. And and that's, but that's gold though. I mean, half the questions sometimes you get asked, it's like, do you not have Google? Do you not have a smartphone? It's like, just just look it up. Why are you asking me? I, I'm not I, that smart. If I don't know it, I Google it. <laughs> well, you know, um, I had a really good conversation. And I'm going to do a podcast about a conversation I had with a young kid uh, from a college north of Indianapolis. I'll say it like that, which is like every state. Okay. okay. Yeah. But basically, <laughs> um, one of the things that surprised me was you know, we were all in some ways probably introverts at one point in our life, and we had to come out of mm-hmm. our shells just because this industry basically 
it, it propagates people coming out of their shells and communicating and, and sharing information that can help other people. But one of the things that I remember I said to this young kid was, you know, you already know what a, you know, how to build a flat, a keystone corner block and all this stuff. You, you already know lighting. I said, you sound like, you know, sound really good. What situation could you be thrown into in the four walls of a theater that you couldn't figure it out? And the kid goes, you know, I don't know, but, but what if I don't know? I'm like, you will know. I said, if you know everything in the four walls of that theater, if you know distribution, if you know dimming, if you know controls, mm -hmm. if you know all these basic things, you don't have to be an expert at any of them. If you just no. understand them and then somebody says, hey, look, we've got a show coming you know, through the theater for two days. Can you, you know, do a hang and focus and you know, do the hang and focus? And then if the director comes on stage and says, hey, look, this isn't close. We need to fix this. Then, then say, sure, let's fix it. So, mm -hmm. you know, so, and that's to me, you know, that's, that's to me the most important thing is I love how you keep saying, say yes. I mean, that is the greatest advice you could give anybody. Yeah. And, and don't be afraid. I mean, but it, it, well, it's funny. I was actually having this conversation with a, a friend of mine who was one of those high school students uh, that I was kind of mentoring. And I met her at like 13, I think it was. Uh, while I was doing some volunteer work up in DC, uh, you know, designing a show, and uh, I met her, and I was like, "Do you have any bad habits?" She's like, "No." It's like, "You want to do theater for a living?" Yes, you're going to. Uh, and she and she still remembers that. And actually, she's one of the first female gaffers here in the film industry uh, in Atlanta. And she's really, you know, uh, taking names and kicking butt, uh, and and doing well. And we were actually having this conversation uh, a few weeks back. And uh, help me get back on track. I saw something shiny and I forgot what I was talking. Oh no 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 no. <laughs> we 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 were just talking about what advice we would give you know kids. I mean, uh, it's wonderful. Oh. It's it's also interesting, Brian, how we all in our entire lives. Basically, I'm in a training role in my life now, mm -hmm. and the thing that I love the most about that is that it bleeds across everything in our industry. You know it it. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you really think about all the people in our industry that um, are starting to forget what they were experts about in the 80s, mm -hmm. you know, and then we're trying to share that with these next generations coming up so they can understand, you know, duct tape bad, gaffer tape good, you know, yeah, <laughs> stuff <laughs> like that, you know, but no, go yeah. ahead. I, I think you had oh. a thought. Oh, so the I actually remember what I was going. What the uh, the purpose of that uh, that antidote was, which was, it's okay to say yes and not know how you're actually going to pull it off. That's what you know. Going back to your car yep. and crying later is about going. Oh my gosh, what did I just say yes to? But you know what? If you if if you got the cojones to do this, then you're gonna go figure it out. I mean, there's no manual unlock to this type of stuff that we do, and you just you know you have the basics. And you take those basics and you apply it and hopefully you can, you know, make something new or make something cool or, you know, just, you know, add to the scene that's already happening. Um, just, you know, don't be, a, you know, it's okay to be afraid, but, you know, take that fear and, and focus it towards something creative. And, and one thing about our industry is we don't bite. And what I mean by that is if a young person listening to this and they reached out to myself or you or people like Bill Price or Tobin or... Mm -hmm. Uh, there's this really, really cool gal up in Fort Wayne, Indiana that I interviewed, uh, mm -hmm. her name's Miriam. And, uh, you know, the, these people are hungry to help, especially young people. 
And, oh yeah, no. And, and that's the reason I have always tried to get, you know, like one of the shows I love the most, Brian, and, and I'm, it's most theater people's favorite show is USITT because yeah. that room is full of college kids. And mm -hmm. we kind of see ourselves in them. And yeah. I had some of the greatest conversation with some of these 18, 19, 20 year old kids that are like, you know, um, you know, and I know I look like this old geezer now, but, but the thing is we still speak the same language. So oh, I yeah. think that's kind of cool. Well, and it's fun to see the college kids too. And the high school kids, because, you know, they're still idealists, you know, they're going into it with, you know, a bunch of energy and a bunch of love, you know, they haven't been beaten down and jaded, <laughs> you know, from, you know, working with, with, you know, um, you know, people throughout the, the, the many years, you know, and, just, you know, grueling schedules and, you know, production work and traveling and, you know, driving all by yourself in the middle of the night to make it to the next gig. And yeah, it, 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 it this industry does tire you out, but you know what? It, it, it's much like a drug. You just keep on coming back for war because you love it. Yeah. You know, I, I actually miss a lot the years that I worked for a dealer and did rentals. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I loved in corporate rentals. I loved doing anything with the rental department. Um, I mean, I look back at that and I, those were some of the years where I actually had the most fun. Um, not saying that the overall experience wasn't fun, but if somebody, yeah. if somebody had to say, when was the moment in your in, career in the theater industry, the most fun, it was when we were just kicking butt doing rentals after rentals. Cause you know, every dealer has their secret sauce. Some of them are uh -huh. installations. Some of them are, you know, bidding, lighting, dimming jobs at 5%, which is not <laughs> sustainable. Uh, no one does that. No yeah, one does right, that. Too. Right. But, but, some, <laughs> but everybody's got a secret sauce, how they actually make their money. And a lot of us don't tell each other. And for me back then in the eighties and nineties, it was our rental department make made a killing. And, you know, and I got the reputation out there that I would do any size rental, corporate rental. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I even rented pars to fraternities for their, you know, their dances <laughs> and stuff. So, uh, but hey, look, we're going to roll this down now because you and I could talk for hours. So what, what, <laughs> la what last thoughts do you have about who you became in this industry? So if you look at yourself today. And you've got your own company and you've gone through all these different paths. If somebody were to say, you know, you know, Brian, would you have ever dreamt when you were a high school kid that any of this could have happened? What would you say to them? Because what I want to do is plant a seed in all these kids' minds is you have no idea what 30 years is going to be like from now. But if you oh, stay yeah. in the theater, it's going to be cool. It is. And... I mean, ultimately, I ever since the age of seven, I always wanted to be an inventor. So yeah. now that I, you know, I, I went to theater, you know, did all that stuff. And now I've kind of come full circle to that life dream and being able to be an inventor, but also do it in the lighting industry is is something that's really awesome. And it's it, it brings me a lot of joy and it helps me get through those grueling days of, you know, late night drafting um uh projects and things of that nature things not going right uh it, it helps you get through it and i would you know kind of tell my younger self it's like just be prepared for a wild ride because it's going to be fun and there's going to be ups and downs but 
you're going to come out of it, you know, hopefully uh, still loving what you do. <laughs> That's great, man. Well, look, Brian, thank you so much for uh, being my guest. Now, I hey, thank you. I've been telling everybody that I've got to have another five questions. I don't know what they are yet, so I can have people like you back on. I'm also thinking about doing, I hate the word roundtable discussion, but I would love to get like, I, but I've got to come up with a theme where I get people like you and I and Bill and Tobin and two or three other people I know in the industry and I don't know. We spend just an hour and see what would happen. And it might not even be anything worthy of broadcasting, but you know, oh, that would be fun. I, I think it would be. So we, we should do a trial at uh, LBI this year and just all go out and get dinner and, you know, just throw the phone in the middle of the table and just hit record and see what happens. Oh, no, that, that would be hilarious. Uh, Probably age appropriate, but you know, it'll be great. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually I'm doing, uh, I'm working on a podcast about trade shows and I'm really struggling with uh, how to kind of brand it because you see everything you wouldn't expect to see at a trade show. And uh, so I've got to figure out how I'm going to make that one even work. So, well, look, hey, Brian, thanks so much for being the guest. Uh, Thank you. Is, I, I appreciate this. This, is, this was fun. I enjoyed yeah. this. Yeah. Oh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it because I, I love nerding out, man. So, uh, so that's it, folks. So um, if you like this podcast, please share it with all your friends. If you're a young uh, high school kid or a college kid, and I know I shouldn't say kid, but my daughter's 21 and she's a kid, so I'm still going to call you guys kids. But if you ever have any questions or want to reach out to me or any of my guests, you know, uh, you can find me. Uh, it's pretty easy. Everybody's finding me. Uh, you can actually go to my uh, look me up on Facebook. I've actually created just a Facebook page for my podcast and you can contact me that way. Uh, but yeah, folks. So thanks for listening. Uh, one last time. Thanks, Brian. Thank you, Damon. Yep. Today has been sponsored by uh, uh, Rogue. <laughs> we can't really say that, but yeah, I know we're both bald, yeah. but uh, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's funny. Ice, whichever you want to call it. <laughs> well, that, no, you know, that's funny, Brian. You said that because we are, we're well, both it's a podcast. Yeah. yeah, we, yeah. We, we yeah. both, you know, don't have much up top, but that's okay. Well, um, I know, but you know that it's funny. You said that because I actually had one of my friends, uh, aviation friends at a big fly-in say, you know, there's like six of us and five of us are bald. And it's like, yeah, we're all part of that. That, that yeah. <laughs> you know, we should be the, uh, the people saying it doesn't work. So, um, right. well, cool. Right. Well, I, I can attest to that myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh gosh, this was a blast, Brian. Thanks. So look, everybody, I'll see you next time. Um, hope you enjoy your evening, support the arts, support young people in the arts. Uh, if you're a mom and dad, understand your kids are cool to everybody else. They need to be cool to you, too. So rock on, everybody. Have a great night. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>